and welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. We are walking a very special road today, the Silk Road. Connecting Europe with Africa, India, and the Middle East, the Silk Road was the gateway to an exchange of cultures and countries that only a few people had ever visited and experienced directly. Other than silk itself, one of the precious commodities that were traded and brought into Europe were spices, introducing the mystery of health and culinary benefits and many other cultural uses of spices to the European citizens. Today we find dozens of herbs and spices at the grocery store and yet too often very little time is spent on fully realizing the truly breathtaking world of spices. A world of spices, history, culture, uses and benefits our topic in this hour with a wonderful guest from the heart of the spice world here today and only on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. This is going to be a very exciting episode. You guys know me and spices. <laughs> mm -hmm. Quite flavorful, too. Quite flavorful. Mm -hmm. How very apropos, Mark. <laughs> mm -hmm. But before we get started, one of the things that, you know, we do this uh, weekly fresh feature, and one of the things that I wanted to talk about in the week in review was, as you know, I'm on airplanes all the time and in airports, and I'm becoming a major dog lover. Months are passing now. And the other day, I was in the airport, and I learned about a new program that's happening in 20 airports around the U.S. and Canada. I happened to be in LAX when I found out about this, and it's a new program where they have dogs in the airport, and volunteers go in and get trained, and they bring their own dog into the airport, and then they get, they get what they do is they walk around the airport, and they answer people's questions, and the dogs are there, because right now, especially during summer travel, I see all these families, and they have this focused anxiety, right? They're trying to get through security. They're trying to get to the ticket counter. They're trying to make sure their flight isn't late, and then all of a sudden, you're here, and you're kind of in this Like I said, focused anxiety, and then all of a sudden there's a dog. <laughs> and there's a dog and a, a human being, who's the volunteer who's tending that dog. And the dogs are there to pet or just be there. And just it just changes the whole atmosphere of the airport feeling. It sure does. And I think that – so this, this program that Mark is talking about is called the PUP program, which is adorable in and of itself. But PUP is actually an acronym for Pets Unstressing passengers, which it's, it's brilliant. And, and I have a recollection of about 10 years ago, I flew through the Detroit airport and there was a dog there. He was working with, he was with, with an officer. So he wasn't there to unstress the passengers. He was there working, but he was a beautiful, beautiful shepherd. She actually, she was a beautiful shepherd and her name was Asta. And I remember this because we stopped and had a conversation with the officer because this dog just was, it was like a magnet. She was so gorgeous. And he had these little cards that had a photo of Asta on it. it. And they were, like, it. they were like baseball cards that uh -huh. you would trade when you were uh -huh. a kid. And it was because people were so interested in having a conversation with him about her, but they couldn't necessarily engage with her because she was working. But she... You know, you're, you're here at this airport and you're trying to get somewhere and there's all this modern technology around you. And even though she was a working dog, when I saw her, it got me to slow down and appreciate that there was something bigger going on in this moment than me trying to get to my gate. It just it stuck with me for 10 years. I even remember her name, Asta. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for bringing that to 
or, or my attention, Mark. I love that program. The puppies, you know, even if you just watch them, even if you just watch people engage with puppies, it makes your heart sing. So it really changes the entire airport energy when, when people stand in line to have their dog shipped off. I always, you know, kneel down and pet them and I see kids come up and it's just, I don't know, this. You know, dogs, we grew up with them as a culture, as mankind developed around dogs. It was maybe one of the first domesticated animals, and um, it helped us in hunting, and it protected the tribe. And, and now dogs are, and of course, specifically puppies, are used in cancer therapy and to reintegrate and socialize prison inmates and to, to you know, take on some responsibility and for elder people to address isolation. And it's just, it's this, you know, it's this love in a fur ball always works kind of tool that, <laughs> <laughs> that we have. And yeah, wow, wonderful. I love that it's an airport. LAX. Well, and, and, 19 and, others. and 19 others around North America. That's the beautiful thing. You don't have to go to just fly to L.A. to get that. There's, you know, more and more airports though. are adopting well, You should volunteer with Timber, man. He would just be kissing people left and yes. right. <laughs> yes, he would. How fun. Great. Thank you, Mark, for that week's review. Our topic today is a world of spices, history, culture, uses, and benefits. The topic in this hour with a wonderful guest of a company who's really at the heart of changing the world of spices. But before we dive into that topic fully, as always, here is Sita Rani Palomar, a.k.a. Chef Sita, with the update on the world of health and beauty. Sita Rani Palomar and her holistic bite. Thank you, Helga. Well, today we have a special guest call in on the Holistic Bite. Our friend and educator Ed Bowman is sharing this time so that we can hear about Ed's seasonal health tip. And his health tip has to do with liquid nutrition. Ed, are you on the line? I am here. Hi, happy welcome. To be with everyone. Oh, happy to have you. So we did a special feature on our Facebook page a couple of weeks back where we were talking about your eating for health model, which is a way to diversify your diet to get all of your nutrients. And one of the components of the eating for health model is this category called liquid nutrition. What yes. does liquid nutrition mean? First of all, our bodies are largely water, 70% water when we're born. And as we get older and sicker, it can diminish as low as 50, 55%. So we're, we're losing hydration all the time. When we get stressed, we lose fluids and activity. And, and the, the three biggest beverages that people consume are coffee, soda, and alcohol. And those are all quite dehydrating. Hmm. And so with Eating for Health, I'm emphasizing water and herb tea and fresh juice and mineral broth. And what makes liquid nutrition is is natural plants and, and things that come out of the earth are abundant in uh, phytonutrients, which are plant chemicals that help us heal and alleviate pain and suffering and inflammation, and also micronutrients, which are vitamins and minerals that are essential for, for longevity and well-being. So really, the, the concept for each of us to grasp is, am I drinking enough? America has a drinking problem. And our kids are getting terrible beverages as little kids, and that kind of carries forward. So water is, is, the, is the purest beverage, and we want to look for kind of non-chlorinated, fluorinated water. So having a water filter at home becomes really helpful. And then looking at 
adding herbs to it, making herb tea and green tea. We're getting these these great chlorophyll-rich compounds. And then uh, looking at all the fresh seasonal fruit, we can make an agua fresca, which is taking fresh fruit and water and, and either chopping it and letting it distill into the water or, or blending it and making a really nice, refreshing summer drink and maybe adding a pinch of mint to it. And then another amazing beverage for nutrition is nut and seed milk, which we can either make from scratch and we can show you how to do that. Recipes are out in the world or on our website or having hemp milk or almond milk. And uh, the benefit of the liquid nutrition is that it absorbs into our system so quickly and easily. And uh, with nut and seed milks, we're getting proteins and essential fats and vitamins and minerals. As you know, we do a juice fasting retreat where for an entire week people are hydrating to health. And it's it's beautiful and it's actually easy for people well, because and the, the beverages are, are diversified. Yeah, Right. They, you keep it flavorful and you keep it diverse by giving people an opportunity mm-hmm. to drink these healthful fruit and vegetable juices, but also by making mineral broths, which are rich yes, in the phytonutrients yes. that you're talking about. And I know that, you know, for a, for a lot of people, broth seems to be like one category or maybe even for some people, one recipe. But there are lots of different ways to make mineral broths with different herbs and spices with different yeah. vegetables to get different flavors and to get different nutritional benefits. So there, there's vegetable broths and vegetable herb broths. The core broth that I teach is, has got one-third root vegetables and, and yams and squashes uh, make incredible base, so nice orange base, and then one-third green vegetables, whether it's spinach or kale or celery or green beans or zucchini, and then one-third seaweed and herbs and spices. So we do various types of sea vegetables, which are highly mineral-rich and and good sources of iodine and cleansing beverages, and then shiitake mushrooms that give it a beautiful flavor and add immune potentiating benefits. And then at the very end, the last half hour, add flax seeds, Hmm. whole flax seeds, which gives it some oil, and let that boil and simmer for, for three or four hours on the stove and strain it out. And if somebody makes it at home, they're good for for weeks at a time when they make a big pot of mineral broth. And they can drink that as a beverage in the afternoon or have it as a a compliment to a nice meal or use it with cooking. I have to say, Mark is sitting here taking furious notes. He's writing down the recipe as you're talking. That sounds so delicious, Ed. And there you have it. That is what liquid nutrition is. And those are some really easy ways to get more of this in your diet so that you can have better hydration and better overall health. So, Ed, thank you so much for joining us And we have to get over that drinking problem we all have. (laughs) We will, with your encouragement. We can do it. Come to the fast. All right. Thank you again, Ed. It's such a pleasure. To talk to you as always. We'll talk to you again soon. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Wow. Delicious. I think Ed gave you a phenomenal recipe for broth, and I'm going to share one of my favorite ways to put it together because I find that the things that I'm cooking with throughout the week that I would otherwise put into my compost are items that I can be saving to make a broth. So like the ends of my celery and my carrot and my onion that I'm not necessarily going to cook with and eat, and the stems from my herbs, and also like Ed said, he uses the stems of his shiitake mushrooms. I say the stems of all of my 
my mushrooms. And what I do throughout the week or month is put them in a gallon-sized Ziploc bag or a container that I keep in my freezer. And every time I'm preparing a meal, I just take these items, even like the paper from my garlic and the paper from my onions, and I store them in this bag in the freezer. And then when that gallon-sized bag gets full, I have enough ingredients to make my broth. So I put that into a pot, I simmer it for 30 minutes, I strain it, I cool it, and then I portion it into either ice cube trays or muffin tins or one cup containers to freeze them in smaller amounts. So that way I can use it in whatever dosage is manageable for the recipe that I'm making. So I hope that Holistic Bite has inspired you to get some more liquid nutrition and maybe make use of some items that you otherwise are composting that can make a really flavorful and healthful broth. And that's this week's Holistic Bite. Well, I was listening to Ed and then listening to you on this broth. And it's because sometimes I like to do little like mini fasts, you know, and sometimes it's just having a broth or something around that can just kind of just get me. Just like for a day or two. Yeah, just create some perspective, you know, like maybe something's coming up that I want to just feel better before I go into it. And with that, you know, Ed was mentioning three or four hours with the, you know, the third of the roots, the third of the greens, the third of the seaweed. And so I was looking at that. And then you were mentioning um, today about a quick broth you could do just for half hour. Is there any nutritional benefit or flavor benefit to cooking it longer or shorter? Or So part of the reason why Ed's mineral broth he does for three or four hours is because he's using root vegetables. So these are hardier vegetables mm. and they can take more heat and longer duration without damaging any of the very fragile nutrients. With the broth that I'm talking about, which is a little bit more like the stems of your herbs, things that are a little bit more delicate, the more you cook it, you may get a more intense flavor, but you also are a applying more heat to something which is going to slowly degrade its enzymes. Oh. So it depends. And I also like the half an hour recipe because it's really manageable for people. Sure. So it depends on what you're putting in your stock. It's a sure. good question, though, sure. Mark. Wonderful. Thank you, Sita. That was Sita Rani Paloma and her holistic bite. Coming up is the topic of the hour, a world of spices. We will walk down Silk Road, the connection between the Middle East, Africa, and India, and Europe and what we've learned from it as a culture and as a people, the benefits, the history, the uses, and the culture of spices in this hour with a wonderful guest, that and more, when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Citarani Palmar. Today we're diving into the mystery of spices, a world of spices, history, culture, uses, and benefits in this hour with a fantastic 
guest, Bijan Shansari, the owner and founder of Spicely Organics, who's joining us today here in the studio, uh, a company and a passionate man who's really redefining our relationship to spices. Bijan, welcome so much to the show. Wonderful to have you. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you for inviting me. You're very Pleasure. welcome. So let's get this started. Bijan, the... Earlier today, I was drinking a chai from my daughter's coffee shop where she works, <laughs> and it got me thinking about the show because every day we taste something or we put something in our mouth, and it presents a flavor or flavors that we either like or don't like. And many times we like something, but we don't quite know where that comes from or what exactly those flavors are. And this isn't new because for thousands of years, cultures of the world have been have largely communicated through spices and the spice trade. I'm wondering if you could tell us about the role spices have played as a cultural bridge. Great. Great question. Thank you for asking, Mark. The spice trade refers to trade between historical civilizations in Asia, Northeast Africa, and Europe. Spices such as, of course, cinnamon, cassia, cardamom, ginger, pepper, and turmeric were known and used for commerce in Eastern world well into antiquity. These spices found their way into the Middle East before the beginning of Christian era. Where the true source of these spices was withheld by the traders, not with me actually. Those traders, those couple <laughs> years younger than yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and associated with <laughs> fantastic things. Prehistoric writing and Stone Age carvings obtain indicates that India's southwest coast path, especially Kerala, had established itself as a major spice trade center from as early as 3000 BC. John, why, why were spices so valuable? Like what, what was it about you know, gold and diamonds and, and silk? And, and then there were spices, and spices could be seen just to, to refine a cuisine, but it was really as valuable as cashmere and, or silk or gold. Why, why do you think they held that much value? In the first millennium before Christ, B.C., the Persians, sometimes confused by Arabs in spice literature when you read, mm. Phoenician, People, uh, cities around the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. When I say Phoenician mm -hmm. here, Israelis and Indians were engaged in sea and land trading luxury goods, such as actually first spices. Oh. Funny, isn't it? Gold, second, precious stones, leather of rare animals, ebony and pearls. Of of course, we know that. Mm -hmm. We said they withheld. They didn't want to disclose uh -huh. because there are limited source, very expensive. Spices came first, oh. right? They retail, they didn't, and limited resources, and they come thousands of thousands of thousands of miles, bring it from coast of India to Europe and so forth, and through Middle East. So you're saying that spices were the first thing traded? The most valuable thing. Oh, the most valuable thing. That was the number one value that they could trade. Exactly. Okay. Because it was such a novelty, or did Europeans, did spices come with the story of healing and culinary refinement, or was it just the novelty of having flavors that nobody had ever experienced before? I mean, 3000 BC, right? This was the gateway to a completely new flavor world that needed to be unlocked 
Yes, it is one and also healing also a part of it because human by experience learn how to live, to become humankind mm-hmm. and pass other animals. This was one of our to survive in better shape. I love that you say that, that humans learn to live by experience, right? Because that credits, uh, that credits the individual 3000 BC all the way to now with understanding. Curiosity. Well, yeah, with curiosity for your experience, but also with trusting that your experience is real instead of having to go and find research that supports a claim that you experience. So let's dive into that because I think health benefits is a really important aspect to understand. It may have been, like Helga said, one of the first things that people equated with spices, not just the exotic flavor that they were experiencing, but also that that things were happening to their body based on which spices they were consuming. So can you tell us, like, how have spices been used as natural health aids in cultures around the world and even still used that way today? Let's give you an example of Persian culture, where I'm coming from. I remember as a kid, we have we have five sisters and brothers. My mom wow. came to <laughs> Mashhad, northeast, origin of saffron. And, of course, she has to go to bazaar and buy saffron, naturally, right? Persian saffron. You know, in bazaar, very tight, very busy, just imagine. Like a marketplace, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But this, this marketplace uh, has been there hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of years. It hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. But still people go there to buy that. They're old-fashioned. And the guy, we call it Attar, Attari, mm-hmm. it's a, a spice trade man. Uh-huh. And she goes shop to shop, trader to trader, and check saffron. Saffron, buying saffron. This is, this is five minutes, maybe three, four, five hours. And we are crying. One wants ice cream. The other wants chocolate <laughs> and so. And she pulling us. She, I, I never forget it. She knew that. She told us, this is good. Make us happy. Bring energy to family. And for, that was the reason, actually, that we use them. And still they use them in Persia or currently Iran. They still use them in weddings. It make you high. I call it sometimes. It is a kind of, uh, you know, make you high, give you energy. And if you eat a lot of it, you laugh. You laugh. Mm. It is love and happiness. Yeah, you an mentioned it. Exactly. It's like an aphrodisiac, right? Yeah. We, yes. When we talked yes. before the show, you were saying brides do color their lips with it. And maybe for the color, because it's very colorful, you only need like one or two strains to color a dish. But it also, you color your lips, maybe also because of that transfer of that aphrodisiac happy-making substance that maybe or is in saffron to transfer that to your lover or to your husband. You're very right. Very, very good point. Thank you. And actually, <laughs> uh, it, it was used by Persian queens and uh, Egyptian queens. They used for makeup and probably make the, uh, their, you know, the gentleman uh, little yeah. high and <laughs> <laughs> very active. Uh, yes, well, of course. Saffron is saffron has this um, intoxicating quality about. It. I mean, as far as I know, it is the most expensive spice that you very can right. buy. And and when you when you smell saffron, or especially when you taste saffron, it is so floral <laughs> and like ambrosia. <laughs> it is just it's exquisite. There's nothing like saffron. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we're having an engaged hour on spice. 
Spices, A World of Spices, History, Culture, Uses and Benefits with Bijan Shansari, the founder of Spicely Organics, who's joining us today in the studio to explore the medicinal and culinary world of spices. Bijan, why, why the three to four hours? Was your mom testing the energetics of specific? What was she looking for in four hours? What would you usually take five minutes? Good question. We told her, Mom, all look like each other. <laughs> Seriously, all look like each other. You go just jumping yeah, we and take done. us. For us, everything was the same, but for her, wasn't. And of course, she could talk hours and explain for us why they are not. We said, okay, okay, we want our ice cream. Or what <laughs> she promised. Yeah. And she was very wise. She would never give, she never gave us the ice cream before. Okay. I said, okay, give us, let us be busy. No, 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 no. You behave, you get the ice cream. So but was she tasting it or smelling no, it? No, looked at them. Looking. Looking. By looking. No, by looking at, at them. By looking at them and little smelling. If she wanted to buy, start smelling that. And I tell you why. When you go buy saffron, you guys, if it has too much yellow, don't buy it. Too much yellow. Yellow. Okay. It should be that orangey, dark red, you know that, yeah. the saffron color, we call mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Only that you buy. If that yellow in here, unfortunately, you see that. Mm -hmm. And actually, spicy organics. And never buy powder. Oh, never, I've ever. I've never even heard of saffron no, powder. No, there are mm -hmm. in market. Mm -hmm. You go, but Please always buy the strains. Yeah, exactly. Why? You can see. Mm -hmm. And you bother yourself to grind it. Mm -hmm. So you were, you were saying that the, it's really started, you know, the, the awe, the mystic of the, of the Middle Eastern Indian world. But really, the first recognized benefit for humankind were health benefits, which is really interesting. I, I would have thought it's the culinary world, of course, changing dishes. But w what other health benefits of spices do we know today? Like what? I mean, we had a segment on that, Sita, that helps you to stay cool. It helps you with well, detox. Actually, I remember learning this at some point when I was younger. So I grew up with a lot of Indian food in, in my family and culture. And, and I love spicy food. Actually, Indian food and Mexican food. My grandfather's from Mexico. And my parents lived very much in the Indian culture. So both very spicy cuisines. And I, somebody said, well, you can tell how hot the climate is of the, the specific destination based on how spicy their food is because spicy food causes you to perspire. And when you perspire, you cool down. So that's one benefit of spices. And it's, and it's another cue as to what the experience is of living in that exotic location. Yeah, and cayenne is known as a liver detox, for example, right, Mark, when you do your daily cleanses or it, it's all, there's this liver wake up kind of cocktail, right, of ginger and cayenne. Cayenne, just as a liver flush. That yeah, you, lemon, ginger, cayenne. It's it, and it's it's wonderful. And John, we were talking about separately when we had a conversation with you. You were saying that the the kings and the warriors used to eat spices because it made them strong to go to go out in the world and do their work. Two favorite two, uh, among others. Actually, my favorite source, you guys. I'm your fan. Yeah, I, I seriously, I just was chatting before this program. I drove two hours, busiest time, mm -hmm. came here, 
It is an honor. Thank you to listening to you guys. But actually, I should interview you. But anyway, <laughs> thank you for interviewing me. Give me credit. Other sources. I like UCLA.edu for spices, Stanford.edu, some Harvard.edu, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Let me start with few things. Start with UCLA. I know we have limited time. Few simple points. Okay. Curcumin, turmeric. Mm-hmm. The major component in India spice turmeric when combined with chemotherapy drug kisplatin enhance the chemotherapy's suppression of head and neck cancer cell growth. Researcher with UCLA's Johnson Cancer Center have found before the advent of modern antibiotics, mm-hmm. all of time was used to medicate bandage. I give reference today. You are using that. I'm using that. Thymol has also been shown to be effective against various fungi that commonly infect toenails. Thymol can be found as the active ingredients in some all-natural alcohol-free hand sanitizer today hmm. because of the antibacterial, well, antifungal, term- antiviral properties. Turmeric is one of the absolute most potent and and health beneficial spices out there anti-inflammatory it's anti-inflammatory so i i love to recommend that people make a a really strong curry with a lot of turmeric women especially during a time of the month when they might be having cramps or anybody who's just gone through some kind of stressful you know where they're having inflammation of joints but also at bowman college i learned that there are certain pastes that you can make with turmeric and black pepper because black pepper has the pepperine like turmeric has the curcumin compound that help to um, reduce the growth of cancer cells. So this this research is supporting what people were drawn to about spices f- since 3000 BC. Yeah, even supporting um, oh, chemotherapy. That is amazing. Correct, correct. We're speaking with John Shansari. Oh, B- Bijan Shansari. <laughs> Actually, call me John because everybody, some people, you know, my name is so difficult. No, Hell yeah, some Bijan call me Bijan, some call me John, some call me Bijun. It is funny, <laughs> but I love whatever you call me. No, Bijan, that's so beautiful. We'll keep Bijan. Bijan Chansari, <laughs> the founder of Spicely Organics, a leading company in the world of spices and teas, really defining our experience and our relationship to spices. In this hour of an organic conversation, the world of spices, history, culture, uses, and benefits. We want to dive into the world of culinary uses of spices. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. That and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Spicely Organics offers more than 200 different organic spices and dried herbs to choose from. Classics like oregano and cumin, exotics like aji amarillo, and blends like tikka masala. Spicely helps nourish your body while embracing sustainable, eco-friendly, and ethical practices always. Take wellness into your own hands and creativity into your own kitchen. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at Spicely.com.
And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And you are walking with us on the Silk Road today, the connection between Europe and the rest of the world that started with spices or perhaps as the most valuable commodity opening up the mystery of spices and the foreign lands. We have John Bijan Shansari with us. Bijan Shansari, the owner and founder of Spicely Organics, one of the leading spice and tea companies in the country and the world to redefine our relationship to spices and awaken our senses on all levels. We talked about the medicinal properties of spices right before the break, which is really how it started. Let's dive into the culinary world. What I find fascinating is if you had asked me about Mexican food or Indian food, I would think about ingredients. I would think about sweet potatoes or potatoes maybe for Latin America. I would think about dal or, or lentils in Indian cuisine. I wouldn't think necessarily about spices. Of course, spices complete the dish, but actually the other way around. You can take five basic foods and travel the world just by adding different spices or spice mixes to it, which is, this is so fascinating. You could just take potatoes and travel the world and experience every cuisine that's out there, every flavor profile, just by adding the right spices. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Uh, Let's say you have potato, just you say, simple. Mm -hmm. Okay. Add curry, add garam masala, add za'atar. That you think, okay, I have to dip it with, no, add za'atar. What, what is Zatar? Zatar is a thyme. Thyme. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Add uh, harissa, North Africa. Add sambaluolek, North Africa. Mm. It is my favorite. Mm. I have harissa in the kitchen. I have so big, so big, whatever. I mostly I'm veget uh, it vegetable and tofu and so. I use it on anything, on salad. And harissa, actually, my wife want me to have more salad because it makes me too much active, especially Friday and Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I cannot disclose here. It is on the air. I'm going to tell you after this. Okay. okay. So and that was so this whole, I want to know more about this. Yeah. You're talking no, about. let's go up the air. No. <laughs> well, that actually does tie into what we were talking about, about health benefits, health benefits, body benefits. But I love what you're talking about. And, and I'm just going to foreshadow a little wow. bit because one thing that that's really okay. that I love as a chef. About Just got hot here in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> what one, do you love? One thing that I love about Spicely Organics, because so I've been a chef for a handful of years, and when I was cooking for my clients, I remember going into Rainbow Grocery, which is a co-op natural food market in San Francisco, and discovering about 80 different spice blends that were pre-blended. So I didn't have to buy six or eight different spices and make my own blend. I could travel the world and help my clients travel the world of flavor by getting Spicely's harissa blend or zatar blend or sambal ulek or without knowing the individual ingredients exactly. and the amount of that right exactly. to come up with the perfectly authentic quantity of each that's maybe a little bit too much at least for most of us <laughs> for mark and i well for it's absolutely true it's a it's a brand new right. world for me i know some things but it's a brand new world for me and it, it really does change how you feel about a meal or even mm. just one piece of produce right. and you know i talk i talk about produce the same way Bijan talks about spices right so you true. put us together and that is going to be an amazing combination <laughs> but i really want to go back so the particular spice you were talking about because it's not a spice that i've heard about but i've heard me before. neither Actually, harissa and, and is that the one that you 
you because yeah, you looked that, at me, Mark, with this yeah. kind of furrowed well, eyebrow. Well, I, I I was wondering. You were talking about that you have a big container at home that's the size of your house, and you put it on everything, and <laughs> including salad. Uh, yeah, including salad. What is that spice again? Let me refer. Go back to Sita. Coming from Africa, I have very hot spice. Huh? Probably that cool you down, but it's in inner energy. Oh yeah, intestinal mm-hmm. fire. Exactly, digestive fire. You can work hard. You can. Be active, Even positively, on a exactly, right. and healthy. <laughs> very, very, actually, very good reference. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And how do we? And how do we spell that? Or how do we? H a r i s s a. Harissa. Yeah. As an example, what what's in there? Do you know what it? Or is it one spice? No, it's a it's blend. It's a blend. Mix, mix, mix. It's a blend. It is chili, uh, crush. It is fennel and so forth. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, Just go to the, our uh, the Spicy, spicy Organics and search for Harissa, the recipe, and everything. And yeah. what is that website? Spicely.com. Really yeah. quite simple. Spicely.com. S-P-I-C-E-L-Y. Yeah. Spicely.com. And like I said, there are 80 different blends. So if you want to experience these exotic flavors from around the globe, let's say you have a lot of eggplant. It's that time of year. Whether mm-hmm. you have a lot of eggplant in your garden or you're getting it at the farmer's market, you could do an Indian spice mixture with your eggplant and make bang and barta. You could do an Italian spice mixture and make eggplant parmesan. Or you could do a Persian spice mixture with tomato and saffron. All all of these things with the same vegetable and you will get a completely different experience. John, we want to talk a little bit more about Spicely. You have spice trade and the spice world in addition to your mom spending five hours with you <laughs> when you want ice cream and looking for the right saffron. You have that in really in your in your genes. And Mark, you had a great question. Well, I, 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 before I start this question, though, during the break you were talking about, it goes, it goes further back than your mom. It goes back you. to your grandfather, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Ancestor, that. Yeah. How has spices been part of your family forever? Great. Thank you. My grandfather, he was in Persian carpet business, rock business, exported to Europe. And my uncles, grand uncles, they were mm, spice traders. A spice trader, they brought in volume from all over the world and so forth. I don't go so much in detail. So you get used to it. Another example, my mom wanted to buy turmeric. Turmeric for us was all yellow, not for her. She said, no, this is not yellow. This is brownish yellow. This is reddish yellow and so forth. Mm. So basically, you grew up with that. Without you know, you get a passion. Luckily, mm. your parents mm-hmm. are playing golf. What happened to you? Mm-hmm. You have some interest in golf. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. That's wonderful. This reminds me of Mark's passion with produce now, you know, being on the air with him for five hour, uh, five years, five hours. Like five, <laughs> five, hours. Million <laughs> hours. five million hours. <laughs> five years. And, and knowing you, Mark, for 20 years, like he's the, you know, he has brought produce to a complete new understanding in my life. And I'm really grateful. It's like adding a soul. You know, I don't just eat a peach. I, I know if it's on the beginning of the season or end of the season, if it was picked to ripe, what kind of peach does it need a couple more hours? Is it the right temperature? You live that world. And that's only a fraction, Mark. And I get what I've learned from these guys. Exactly. <laughs> um, you live that world in, in spices. When was the time when you realized, maybe as an honoring to your ancestry and to your, your history, to make that your own business, Spicely Organics? Oh, okay, let me tell a little about myself and my family. We were uh, refugees to Europe. And as young kids, my sister, she was uh, studying at med school. And she came to Germany, and my brother at age 11, they flew him. He's going to be a soldier. They flew him to Germany. 
I went to Sweden, refuge, simply, and uh, we were homeless. Let's put it like this. Actually, we give 0.25 of our revenue to homeless children. My, mom, uh, my wife asked me, why do you do this? I never told her. Maybe she listened to this. I'm going to tell her now. You know why I'm doing that? Because one time, myself and my sister and brother, we were homeless, and I'm paying my debt back to those kids. I'm not so generous. No, I'm paying my debt back. <laughs> Let me tell you another short story. Now. I was quick to learn Swedish. It should take one year. I learned it in seven, eight months. I didn't have any choice because I have to find a job, make a living, and so forth. As a young boy, young man, whatever you call it. I got immediately into the Koteho Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm, technology school, design engineering. And uh, if you can't get there, they give you a room with shower, everything very inexpensive. And they give you a bed. And on your bed, you have a mattress that you don't have. Sheet, you don't have what they call it, cover or anything. No pillow. Then they give you a bed, okay? I said to my girlfriend, I want to show you my room. Okay, come over. She came to show my room. Nothing. No carpet, no pillow, it's just a bed with a little foam, you know. Foam mattress. Mattress on Uh it, okay? Hmm. She said to me, oh, so beautiful room. (laughs) It was a bed, like a cell, a prison cell. And she said, it's a beautiful room. It was a few days later. It was my birthday. She came there. I got the biggest, most beautiful gift in my life. Huge wrapped in a beautiful paper and so forth. Do you know what was in it? One pillow, two sheets, <laughs> and, a, and a little cover, blanket. Mm. Oh, man, I was the luckiest boy in the world. There's a, there's a much, much deeper purpose in your life and in your business from karma to paying back to really not doing business for the business sake, but as an opportunity to create more beauty in this world, really. Is that a good summary? You know, Helga, it's, you, you stated it perfectly. Um, I, I was sitting there and I was there enwrapped in the story and just completely, I was in the room. I was opening the present. I was completely right next to Bijan at that moment. And so thank you so much for sharing uh, that, that little piece of your life and that little story that is now Spicely Organics and who you are. One last thing. I want to thank my, my wife. I was working at Morgan Stanley. One day came. I lost everything. I was angel investor. I was investing in other companies. Just, I joined Morgan Stanley, great company. I learned everything, I owe them a lot, my life, part of life here in America. One day I came and I said to, <laughs> to my wife, Kelara, you know what? What, Bijan? I want to start a, a spice company. And she said to me, are you crazy? I said, listen, this is what I did in Sweden. This is my ancestor did. I want to do that. I have my credit card, 8,000. Two friends of mine promised to lend me money. And I know you have a credit card. I said, what? I have a credit card? Yes, you have a credit card. Say, listen, first, my credit card is not for you. Second, <laughs> second, you don't leave your job. We must pay rent. We don't have money, right? I said, right. Yes, you know that. I, I have to say, right. Yeah, right, 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 right. Okay. 30 seconds, she came back and she said to me, Bijan, 
I'm not your employer. I cannot fire you. You can fire yourself. But this is my credit card. Do whatever you want. <laughs> this is how I started my business. When was that? It was 12 years ago or something. And now Spicely Organics can be found in stores all across America. Yes, Spicely Organics at Spicely.com. And that's Bijan Shansari, the passionate founder of this wonderful company. John, it's such a pleasure to be with you today. It's been a great honor. Thank you for coming to the studio today. Uh, thank you to you guys and thank you to my wife. Actually, if I go back, yes. I have to say my wife, she's the founder. Without her help, I wasn't even be here. I, you know, she did everything, everything, yes. everything. She is the founder, not me. To all the wives and spe especially to your wife. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting here, but yeah. really to all the wives who are holding space for the creation that is possible. A world of spices, history, culture, uses and benefits today in this hour. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm completely amazed. Uh, and Mark you're Mark Mulcahy. <laughs> and I'm Mark Mulcahy. <laughs> and I'm Sitarani Palomar. Thank you, John, for coming into the studio. Oh, well, thank you for inviting Wonderful. me. Uh, honor, honor. Thank so you. Moved. Wonderful. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you, guys. Coming up is what you do with spices on lettuce. <laughs> What's in season is next with Mark Mulcahy. That and more when we come back. Still more to come. Stay tuned. Produce is ever-changing. Seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Spicely Organics' emphasis has long been on the natural health benefits of organic spices. And now, Spicely is excited to share more health benefits with the introduction of their hand-blended organic teas. Choose from black, green, white, mate, oolong, pu'er, and herbals blended with their signature spices like vanilla rooibos, sweet turmeric, and honey lavender. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at Spicely.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Oh, that was beautiful. That was John Bijan. Bijan Shansari, the founder of Spicely Organics. That's spicely.com. Again, check it out. Beautiful. That beautiful interview hour. went in a place that I didn't expect it to go. We started <laughs> out with the spice trade and culture and health and flavor, and it moved into one of the most touching interviews we've ever done. Yeah, it beautiful. just goes to show you it's just the little things that you add to something that really makes it memorable. And we are staying touchy because we are getting into produce, of course. What's next is what's in season with our very own Mark Mulcahy. Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it is what's in season right now. And what we're going to be talking about today with Earl, who I'll introduce in just a second, is early season apples. It's the start of those first apples that start coming locally. I talked to Dawn at Good Earth Co-op in St. Cloud, and she says she's looking forward to the snow suite, which will be coming from there in Minnesota. And I talked to Evan in Pittsburgh at the East End Food Co-op, and he's looking forward to those early gold delicious and Today, uh, we have Earl Herrick, the voice of the San Francisco produce market, on the line with us to talk about some of his favorite early apples that are coming on here at this time of year. Earl, 
early season apples. Tell us, tell us from the voice of the market. What's up? Yeah, early season apples is just part of it. When we're definitely going to make that the body of what we want to talk about today. But in another sense, this is, I think I probably say this 12 times a year, one of the most exciting times because you've got an overlap between the summer fruit where you can still find outstanding nectarines and peaches, which overlaps with the beginning of, uh, of the early pear season. Think Bartlett pears if you're local out here in the West Coast. And then, of course, you have what we're going to talk about, which is the early apple. So you have this fast, fantastic dynamic going on where you get that wonderful soft fruit, then you get that, that crunchy early apple, of which some varieties you will only see for about two weeks, maybe up to a month. And then those are the couple of varieties that you spoke about. And I really, really want you all to get out there and have these apples, because if you think about it, well, I'm going to wait a week or two, or I'm on my vacation, or I'm somewhere else, you're going to go and miss these. And some of those varieties, especially up here in in Northern California, and it goes up into Oregon and Washington, is the Gravenstein. It is kind of the apple that built uh, Sebastopol, and it is a very early season, and it's characteristic of a lot of the apples that come out this time of year, which is, it's got a tart, sweet, can even be tannic in some sense, and even though it can be crispy, generally the meat is is forgiving. I don't want to say soft, but it's kind of forgiving, which is kind of a general characteristic of early apples. Mm-hmm. So that's just one variety. Helga's about ready to chime in here. But that oh, Gravenstein, okay. for, for, uh, for the listeners out there who haven't tried one, it is an apple that's being uh, preserved now. Slow Food has has a mandate that they're trying to make sure that everybody knows this apple so they can save those remaining trees. This apple goes back to the 1600s and was originally introduced into Denmark in 1669. So that's how long this apple's been around. And one of the things that it was made into juice, it was made into sauce, but I think it's a great eating apple. And another thing that you might like about this apple is that most apples, you cut into them and they start turning brown almost immediately. So then you got to put lemon juice on there, right? Well, the Gravenstein actually won't do that. It actually gets an orange tinge, which is actually quite lovely. And so you could actually cut into the Gravenstein and serve it. It's not going to get all brown, which is a really nice attribute. Being from Germany and being from Hamburg specifically, right outside of Hamburg is the largest apple growing area of Europe. Mm, I didn't Um, know that. You just drive through, you know, blossoming apples. And I've seen the return of heirloom varieties now here finally, too, in the United States. It's no longer just your Granny Smith, which is a perfectly fine apple, but you get like the Spitzenberg and you get the yeah. the Casper and you get, I mean, varieties that have not seen a table or have not, you have not seen a, a marketplace for it. Maybe even at farmer's markets you haven't for many, many, many years. Are you seeing that even on a wholesale retail level? Absolutely. You know, we care, you know, we got into the heirloom tomatoes years ago and then we followed that up with heirloom apples. And it's a little harder to commit to that because heirloom tomatoes you can put in and have them in, in six months or less. With an apple, obviously, it's a it's a five-year, ten-year commitment. Mm-hmm. And even then, you're not really sure, especially if they're old varieties, what are you really going to get? And so to get people, orchardists, to commit to that is a challenge. But we are doing that, and there, Spitzenberg is, you nailed the most popular one right there. It's, it's, it's not good-looking, which which can be one of the reasons why... They're not grown on a, on a commercial level anymore mm. because they're challenged, whether it's in uh, how much they produce per acre, what they look like, 
uh, how well they store. So those things have been narrowed down, and thus those varieties have been eliminated. But yes, we are seeing them, and we're and we're talking to growers. Oh, I, I, I try to find a grower a year that I can I, I can convince to grow. There's one in particular I'm trying to get somebody to grow, and it's called a Holstein. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure why, other than it's supposed to be very good. But I don't even have that that experience. And it but looks it's in my head. It looks like a cow, right? Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> now the beauty of, of of heirloom varieties, of course, is they expand the season. Right from now yeah. August all the way into January, there are some varieties that actually get better with storage. And so it's like, yes. you know, the flavor profile, the robustness, the resilience of the apple crop as a whole, as it translates from one month to the next, different varieties have different different purposes for pollinators. It's yep. just beautiful that, that you with Earl's Organic support that. That's a really well, you know, important the, movement. You know, even in, within the variety itself, it can take out on such different uh, nuances. I think a Gold Delicious is a perfect example. I think what we might see in commercially grown in, in some of the bigger supermarkets is a shell of itself, because if it's left on a tree a couple more weeks, uh, picked more ripe, not unlike lots of things that we talk about, it creates all these wonderful flavors of cinnamon and clove mm. that come out, but you're only going to find that if it's left on the tree for a couple uh, more weeks, maybe up to a month. So you're going to, farmer's market is a good place like that. Or what's really wonderful, if you're in the area, go to a you-pick situation and go to farmer's market. Mm-hmm. There's one more variety I really wanted to touch about, and that's the Macintosh. That, you can definitely find that later in the year, but there is, there is the wonderful, you, you, I think you really pick out the best characteristics of it, getting it early, where it's really super crisp, the flesh is almost pure white, and you have that unique flavor that a Mac has, which is, again, on the tart side. It's sure. the early Macintosh. It's uh, going to be around in about a week or so. So, Wonderful. And the great part of that is, so I guess the invitation that Earl and I are both extending to all of you out there is if there's an apple you haven't tried, go to your yeah. produce department, pick one up, ask them to sample, and go out there and try some of these because they are yeah. so worth it and they will really make a difference in your overall apple eating experience. That's what's in season. So thanks, go. Earl. We Thank really appreciate so it. Much, As Earl. always, we'll talk to you next week. Apple hey. is where it's at. Thank you. Apple day. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Take care. Okay, bye. 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 Wow. Well, that was a fragrant hour, kind of like Scratch and Sniff Radio. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. That was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye.